This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St. Anthony's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 27 years and I thought today I'm going to sing the first solo that I sang here in this church. Does anyone remember what it was? And I sang it at the Liberation Monument in town where we had the outside meeting as well. Can you remember who it was? No. Well, you'll see now. <laughs> you forgot what it was? Oh, let the Son of God. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with his spirit and his love let him fill your hearts and satisfy your soul let him have the things that hold you and your spirit like a dove will descend upon your life and make you whole. Jesus, oh Jesus, Come and fill your lands. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and fill your lambs oh come and sing this song with gladness as he fills your hearts with joy lift your hands in sweet surrender to his name Give him all your years of sadness. Give him all your tears and pain. And you'll enter into life in Jesus' name. You know this? Come on, let's give it back. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and lovely. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, come and 
and sings, My soul, my Savior God. Let's be upstanding. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sing my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Thank you very much. Just to say, oh, come on. Not bad for 90, sir. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that wasn't bad for 90. That was quite good for 90, wasn't it? So you're going to do that when you're 100 as well? Okay. <laughs> Okay, just so it's just a blessing for you, Sid. For you. Happy 90th. I'm so, and I'm so, I've, I've been so thrilled this week. And it's yeah. marvellous. I didn't sleep last night. I know. It was an amazing thing last night. Last thing night. struck me last night, Sid, yeah. How, yeah. Your, how your sons were so, oh, admired your faith oh, so much, didn't they? Absolutely. They so admired your faith, they which was wonderful. Absolutely marvellous yesterday. Yeah. The organisation they yeah. did was lovely. And admired your faith, didn't they, which is oh, wonderful. So, you're a blessing to us, Sid, and yeah, thank you for all the you're years. You're a blessing that, to me as well, I'll yeah, tell you. We love you and yeah. appreciate you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I thought it was so good, uh, at Sid's sort of uh, celebration yesterday. I, so lovely to see your, brother, your son speak so warmly of your faith. I thought it was just so wonderful. It was really great how they really admired your faith. That was wonderful. Okay, Psalm 85. Uh, I'm going to read from, from verse 1, then we're going to kind of go down. I just love the, how many love the Psalms? There's so much in there. Psalm 85. Lord, you have been favourable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned away from your fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation. Cause your anger towards us to cease. Will you be angry forever? Will you provoke your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Father, we we just thank you. Your word is just so amazing. And Lord, we we thank you that, Lord, that, that you speak powerfully, and we pray, let your word today just speak to every heart and every life, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, one of the things that happens often when a, a sportsman, we use the word sportsman, when a sportsman gets a serious injury, one of the things you find often, that sportsman, as they're getting back and kind of rehabilitate and everything else, Often they find that they think they're back. But it's only when they, they run their first competitive race or they play their first competitive match, if you like, they realise they're back, but not all the way back. 
Some of them never really are as good as they were before. The pace maybe isn't what it was. The, the, the strength wasn't what it was. So they're back, but they're not all the way back. And that's really my title this morning for the sermon. Back, but not all the way back. Because really, this is what this psalm's about. It's about a people who came back, but not all the way back. And really, there's three words I want us to really think about through this psalm. Simply this. Back, restored, and revived. When you read this psalm and really get into it, you can't, it's almost a contradictory in terms. They're back, but the prayer is, even though we're back, restore us back. It's almost a contradictory, back but not back. When you understand that what many theologians think that this psalm was written during the time that the, the Jewish people returned back out of captivity. You may remember they were in captivity for, 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 for 70 years and, and, it's for, and Jeremiah the prophet they restored said that after 70 years, the children of Israel will be restored back. And so after 70 years now, a group, a remnant of people return back to the land. But when they come back, even though they're back, they realize they're not fully back. Because it wasn't as it was before. The walls have been smashed, there's rubble. The temple's being totally destroyed. And so even though they're back in the land, it's not as the land was. It's not as it was, as it once was before they left. And so when they come back, this psalm is a, is a response, Lord, we're back, but we're not fully back. Would you restore us Would you revive us? Because we're back in the land. You brought us back and we're grateful and we appreciate the fact that you brought us back. We praise you and thank you for bringing us back. But even though we're back, we're not fully back. Back, but not fully back. If you study, again, theologians actually say to us that probably only about 50,000 people went back to the land because many of them had settled, if you like, in Babylon. They'd enjoyed, they'd got used to the, they got used to the, the businesses there, they probably got used to the society and just the sort of going back, a long trip and leaving what they felt comfortable with, for many of them they didn't want that. So many of them still remained in the land. About, around about 50,000 returned back. Just a remnant returned back. And it was a shock, I think, to their system when they came back and saw the situation. The houses they once had gone. The land that was once so amazingly productive and, 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 and so amazing now is just literally a desert and a wilderness. They had opposition. Wild animals were roaming there. The walls were just a ruin. The whole place was totally demolished and brought down. Back, but not fully back. I think it can be true of believers, of Christians. Something can happen. A trauma. Some painful experience. A failure. Even we can fall away from God. A disappointment. 
Something that hits our lives and knocks us right back. Absolutely knocks us right back. I think it's a story of a lot of believers. Something happened and it just knocks you back. Something that impacts you, affects you. And even though in a sense you come back, you may be in church, you, you may worship, you may still read the Bible, you may still pray. You're back, but not fully back. Not back to the level that you once was. The passion you once had. The fervor you once had. The excitement that you once had. The joy you once knew. You're back, but you're not fully back. Your heart really hasn't connected, if you like, to God as it once connected to God. You don't pray as you once used to pray. The Bible doesn't seem to have the same impact on you that it once used to have on you. You don't worship with the same fervor. The, the desire to witness is not as it was. You're back, but you're not fully back. Your heart's not in that place of connection as it once was. The trauma, the thing that hit our lives, that knocked us for 60, if you like, kind of knocked us in a certain place and we're back. But something in our heart is not as it was. We can even be back kind of outwardly, if you like. But something in our hearts, we find our hearts wondering. Find our hearts, because we're not fully connected to God, it means there's an emptiness, a vacuum there. And so we find ourselves pursuing things, going after things. that Maybe we know God doesn't really want for us. There's a kind of emptiness in our heart. So we're looking to fill that vacuum with other things. They may not be necessarily sinful things so much. But our hearts doesn't take its through and excitement with it. We have to look for other things now. Because our hearts are beginning to wander. Other things now take our affections. Other things now take our time and our attention. We're back. But our hearts are wandering. And here's the good news. And I kind of love this thought. You see, when you think about it, only Jesus, and this is what the psalmist realized, only God could fully bring them back. And so this is their prayer. Lord, we're back, but we're not fully back. Would you not restore us again? Would you not revive us? Would you not bring us back again? Because I found this, that only Jesus can bring back the wandering heart. How many realize that? Only he can do it. I just love the parable. And it's a, I, love, I might just find myself more recently reading the parables more than ever. The parable of the lost sheep. It's sort of one that we're so familiar with and we get kind of familiar with it. I don't think we realize the depth of that story when you really look at it. We're told that the shepherd has 100 sheep. He didn't say 50 of them, but one, just one. We're just talking about one. Just one sheep wanders away. And here's the amazing thing. You'd think if you had 99 sheep, you think, well, 
Why should I give my time and attention to one other sheep? And I've got 99 here. Aren't sheep stupid anyway kind of attitude? Why go, why give time and attention chasing after one sheep when I've got 99 others? But we're told, because this was the good shepherd, he goes and pursues just the one sheep. Because Jesus, only Jesus can bring home the wandering heart. Only he knows the way home. Because here's what happens. When we're not fully back, we wonder, how do I get back? I know I'm not in that place I was. I know I'm not in that same position I know I should be in, but how do I get back? I've lost my way and I don't know how to get back. Jesus is an expert of bringing the wandering heart back home. Can you say amen? This is a true story, actually. When I was, when I was about eight or nine, so that's going back at least... We won't go down there, because <laughs> then you'll work out. But no, I was about eight. I can't remember. I was about eight or nine, and I had a friend, and this is my kind of claim to fame, if you like. My this friend I had, his father was a presenter on ITV News. He was a presenter, one of the presenters. And so I went to his house. I was at his house, and we were there. And I think I think we were all doing, but we was there. And then, I, then they kind of this is what they did, which was them say. They allowed me to go back by myself home. And as I began to make my way home, I suddenly realised I'd lost my way. I was eight years of age, it was kind of winter time, so I don't know, about past six at night, but it was all dark. The harder I tried to find my way, the more lost I became. To the point I never, I didn't didn't recognise, I was totally and utterly lost. And how many know that eight or nine year old, your heart, your you know, where am I? It's a horrible feeling to feel so lost and don't know how to get back home. As it so happens, the next door neighbour to us was actually walking in that area. Found me, grabbed me by the hand, and took me home. Isn't that wonderful? And often we're like that. We get lost. We wonder, how can I really, really get back? My heart has wondered. I know I'm not in that place. I know I should be. But I don't know how to get back home. Jesus is an expert at helping you find your way back. And you say, amen. He brings you home. He's the one that brings your heart. Even though your heart may have wondered. And the psalmist says, Lord, bring me back. Because I realize you are the only one who knows how to do it. You know, the truth is, you can't trust your own heart. The Bible says the heart is the most deceitful thing of all. And, and we can so easily deceive our own hearts. We can actually think we're, we're somewhere where we're, where we're really not. I think one of the biggest things that, 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 that often, that I think one of the most destructive things, if you like, that can allow our hearts, even though they've wondered not to get back, is legalism. Anybody got their hands up that? Legalism. Sometimes when your heart wanders away and you've moved from the place where God had for you, what what we tend to do is then we tend to base things on outward exteriors. We think God's interested in more what goes on outwardly than really what goes on in the heart, the wandered heart. And so we cover our wandering hearts by, by legalism. In other words, we judge things and base our spirituality, if you like, by our outward exteriors. 
we measure it by what we're doing outwardly. Even though God sees the condition of the heart, we then judge things by our outward exteriors. And we kind of allow that to cover really what's going on inside. I think the biggest threat often can be a, a spirit of legalism. Because I think it, it's the one thing that, that allows our hearts to excuse what's really going on inside us. And we cover what's really going on inside us. It was the biggest thing that Jesus dealt with. What was the issue with the Pharisees? You know, Jesus had a lot of a probably theological agreement with what the Pharisees believed. They believed in the resurrection he did. But the one thing he confronted them over was their legalistic attitude. They did the most ridiculous outward exteriors. And they kind of thought, because of the outward exteriors, that God didn't really see the condition of the heart. Because they so measured what they did by what went outwardly. And Jesus said to them, you know what, you Pharisees? You worship with your lips, but your heart. What really goes on inside is very, very far from me. Outwardly, you do all the right things. Outwardly, everything seems right and good. And outwardly, everything seems in place and right. But the real problem is, it's your heart. And he goes on to say, in seeing, you don't see. And in hearing, you don't hear. Isn't that awesome? In other words, that when this legalistic spirit gets hold of me, I don't see things. I don't, I don't see the real issues of the heart. I cover it up. I, I'm not aware of my spiritual condition because it's an outward exterior and I just can't see it. You'll be amazed the kind of sins and the kind of things that people fall into, but they just can't see it. Because their own hearts have deceived them. In seeing, they don't see. And in hearing, they don't hear. No matter what is said, what is done, we use this term, it's like water off a duck's back. It doesn't penetrate. It doesn't touch. It doesn't move the heart. And nothing seems to move the heart because it's so focused on outward exteriors. And Jesus says, you worship me with your lips, but your heart's wonder from me. And as a result of that, you don't spiritually discern. Because you imagine, here's Jesus, the Son of God. They know their Bible backwards. They know scriptures. They've memorized five books of the Torah. They know so much of the scriptures. And right here is the Son of God right before them. And they just don't see it. Because their outward exteriors has caused their own hearts to harden. In seeing you don't see, and in hearing you don't hear. Isn't that powerful? Let's think about this psalmist kind of thing. Because what God then says, what the psalmist cries out, says, God, I know we're not in the place. Please bring us back. And the word he uses is this. He says, Lord, please restore us. And that word restore, you know what it means? I love it. It says, Lord, make us strong. We feel so weak. We feel so overwhelmed. Would you please make us strong? Make us strong, Lord. I mean, that's a great prayer. Make us strong. We feel so weak. Make us strong again. It's a strong word that Jesus gives to the church in Revelation. He says... I know you have a name for being alive, but really, 
you're dead. In other words, you've got all the props up, but I really know what's going on in the inside. Why do I say that? Because the greatest place you can be is this psalmist and say, God, I realize how weak I am. I realize I'm so weak. I recognize, I'm aware of the condition I'm in. Lord, I feel weak, but would you please make me, what? Strong. How does God do it? Let me show you one verse. He said, God makes you strong. Isaiah 40. Wonderful. Some of this, in fact, a lot of the verses looking at you were in the songs earlier, which is kind of cool and good. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Well-known scripture, but you just think of the depths of this scripture. This is how God makes you strong. Psalm, sorry, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. In other words, when we say God make us strong, God says the way you learn to be strong is you learn, and my, it's my favourite bird, the ways of the eagle. I love the eagle. I mean, love the eagle. Say two of us do. I, I, I love the eagle. And he says, if you want to know, if you want to be strong, then learn the ways of the eagle. How does an eagle make itself strong? When he feels weak. It's the first thing it does. It gets its strength from its diet, what it eats. That's how an eagle is strong. It's strong by... You know, an eagle will not eat dead things. It eats things that are alive. Things that... You know, it eats things that are alive. It takes them live. It only eats live, vibrant things. That's good. You know, if you're the saying, you are what you eat, how many don't like that saying? But it's the truth, isn't it? You are what you eat. And it's true of an eagle... And what an eagle does, he only eats things that are alive. And I was just thinking often, maybe we get weak because we eat dead things. We feed off negative things. We feed off being, being critical and judgmental. And, and, and we feed off the wrong things. We feed off things that, 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 that are weakening us. Things that, that just kind of Weak in our lives, dead things, complaining and all these things, living off past experiences, living by your feelings. All those things are dead. How many realize that? They're dead things. But what we need to do is feed off things that are alive. How many believe the word of God's alive? The words I give to you are spirit and they are life. So if I meditate... Allow the word to get in my heart, it will strengthen me. So I'm feeding off something that's alive. I need fresh infillings, anointings of the Holy Spirit every day. I need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Because every day I'm filled with the fresh of the Holy Spirit, I'm getting something that is what? Alive. Do you know when you come to the cross, that's something still alive? Do you believe that the blood is still working? It's still alive. So I feed of things that are, are alive. Things that build me and strengthen me and enable me to say, Lord, make me strong. You know what an eagle does as well? 
It knows how to renew itself. Whenever it's eaten something that is poison, it goes to the highest place. It's amazing what it does. And it stretches out its wings, just lies on the highest rock, and allows the son of the rock to draw the poison out of its body. If it's eaten anything that's contaminated it, it allows the sun to draw the poison out of its body. That which has weakened it, that's what's kind of taken away strength. It allows the sun to suck that poison out. That's why I believe with all my heart, repentance is such a powerful thing. Really, you're never going to be strong unless you learn the way of repentance. Will you just get before God and say, God, there's issues in my life. There's unforgiveness there. It's poisoning me. It's destroying me. It's affecting me. Attitudes, Lord, that are hindering and affecting my life. Resentment. Things in my life that I am not dealing with or challenging. Lord, I get before you. I repent of it. I turn away from it. Would you draw that poison out of me? And the amazing thing, the blood is so powerful, it cleanses and removes all the poison, all that ruins, all that destroys, all that tries to weaken our life, the blood cleanses and removes. Can you say amen? Do you know the word pent actually means the highest place? That's where you get the word penthouse. How many have got your penthouse? That's what the word pent means, the highest place. And so repent actually is the highest place. It's where you go right high before God and deal and confront those things today that would stop you from being strong in God. Have you noticed what it says also? Because it says that they that what? Wait on the Lord. That's powerful. That's where you get your strength. Wait on it. How many... Well, just I'll give you an example. I think it was Tuesday. Was it? I can't I think it was Tuesday. Where we went to the Italian. How many love the Italian right there? I had pizza and Diet Coke. And the word die is probably, probably prevalent there. But Diet Coke. So I want to look after them. I want to be healthy. <laughs> so here I am. And basically, they bring my pizza and Diet Coke. And Angie's very healthy. She has the pasta, so she's kind of healthy a little bit. But so anyway, we have that. Then they, I have, so they wait on me and they give it to me. Then I give them the money. I pay for it. So that's kind of a good deal. I give them the, they give me the pizza and I give them the money. And that's exactly what the word wait means. It means an exchange takes place. Something happens. I get before God and I bring him my inability. I bring to him my weakness. I bring to him my failures and my mess-ups. I bring it to him. And when I get into his presence, there suddenly becomes a a divine exchange. He takes my weakness, he takes my inadequacies, he takes all my failure and my disappointment and he, he exchanges it. And I think it's an amazing deal because I get his strength, I get his power, I get his love, I get his strength. Can you say amen? Because of this amazing divine exchange that's taken place. Here's the next thing they do. You know what an eagle does? You know, an eagle doesn't fly. It mounts. An eagle's strength is the fact that it knows how to ride the air currents. It knows how to allow the, the wind to carry it. 
I often use the illustration. Often the trouble is we're like chickens. We do a lot of flapping. <laughs> you know, fussing, worrying, and we're flapping all over the place. Trouble is we don't get very high. We don't get very far because we're so busy flapping. The key is to say, God, I'm just going to let your spirit carry me. I'm going to allow the wind. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I submit to the wind of the spirit. I submit to his promptings. I submit to his leadings. I, 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 de- I learn to depend more and more on him. And the more I do that, instead of flapping around, I learn to fly in the Holy Spirit. That means... When I'm allowing the wind carry me, it's not wearing me out. Is that right? I'm not flapping all over the place, being overwhelmed and, 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 and worn out. But the wind of the Spirit is wonderfully carrying me. Let me give you one more scripture. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 17. 2 Corinthians 17. 2 Corinthians 12, what am I talking about? How many realize there's not 17 chapters in Corinthians? Some of you are saying, in fact, some of you actually look for it, so that's interesting. Okay, 2 Corinthians 12. Weakness for strength. God, make me strong. How many think that's a great prayer? Lord, make me strong. 2 Corinthians 12. Here is Paul's position. He felt weak. He felt overwhelmed. And he's praying, he's praying, saying, Lord, literally, make me strong. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Corinthians 12. And lest I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I get exalted above measure. Concerning the thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that he would, might be depart from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength, what? Is made perfect. How many can say that in what? What's he saying? Lord, make me strong. I'm facing a messenger of the devil. I'm facing something that is so overwhelming. I don't feel I've got the strength to deal with it. And how does God say he makes him strong? Through his grace. Almost it's saying, Lord, I depend on you. I acknowledge my weakness, but I'm totally dependent on you. I've learned a kind of truth over the years. When I think I'm ready, then I'm not ready. When I'm not ready, actually, then I am ready. How many kind of think that sounds strange? It's true. When you think, yeah, I can do it, no problem. Yeah, oh, I can do it, no problem. That means you're not ready. When you come and say, God, I don't feel I can do this. I really don't feel I can do it. Guess what? You're ready. Because what? You're dependent on God to do it. You know what grace really is? Grace is God empowering you to do what you could not do yourself. That's what grace really is. We've got to get a hold of that. In other words, whatever assignment God has got for me, whatever purpose God has got for my life, whatever ministry, whatever he's got for my life, then you will do it because he will give you the grace and empower you to do it. 
Whatever he's called you to do, you can do it because the grace of God is sufficient and will enable you to do what you could not do of yourself. Can you say amen? So the, so the great testimony is the, the weaker I feel in myself to do it, the stronger I become. And Paul says I rejoice in it because it's wonderful that when the challenges come, when the challenging circumstances come, and I don't feel I've got the energy and the strength to deal with it, it's wonderful because then God releases his grace to me. So I rejoice in that wonderful fact that when I feel weak, then I'm empowered by grace which makes me strong. Can you say amen? So much more I could say on that, but time is gone. Let me just say this. I think the word restored also means this. Why did they say restore me, Lord? Because they, because they found their enemies had just stolen so much. They'd lost their houses. They'd lost the land. They'd lost the temple. They'd lost everything. The enemy had stolen so much. And so what the word restore means, it means to, be, to receive back what the enemy has stolen. What has the enemy stolen from you? Your joy, your peace, your dream, your purpose. What's he stolen from you? Even your health. What is he stolen? The praise, Lord. Whatever the devil has stolen from me, I pray today, God, would you restore it back? How many found? How many, how many know this is true? That when God restores something back to you, it's better than it was before. Isn't that wonderful? That's God's restoration. It's always better. And so the psalmist prays, God, The enemy has stolen so much from me. So much from us as a nation. Everything has been stolen. Would you restore it back to us? I want to encourage you this morning that when you look at aspects of your life that the enemy has stolen from you, then why not make that your prayer? Lord, restore it back. Devils of my family, restore it back. Dreams I had, restore it back. Things are... As I look back over the years, what the enemy has stolen from me, I'm coming back now and I claim it back. I claim back every single thing what the enemy has stolen from me. You lost your spiritual fervor? Lord, restore it back. Lost your passion? Lord, restore it back. Whatever it is, declare and believe God for total and complete restoration. Would you not restore us back? Let me close with this last one. Lord, make us strong. Lord, restore us back. Lord, revive us. Revive us, God. Revive us. Think about this. What does it mean to be revived? It means that one time is alive. Is that right? If something was never alive, it can't, be re- it can't be revived. Is that right? You can only revive something that was once alive and has been brought back to life. What a prayer, Lord, revive us. In other words, things have died in my life. All kinds of things that I once had, they've died. Would you bring them back to life? Would you revive them again? That's why we meet on Fridays to pray for Revival. Why do we pray for revival? Because we know we're not where we was or we should be. How many realize that? 
How many read the, the Bible and realise when you read that, when you see the church, not us individually, but the church as a whole, when you see us in, individuals, when you compare it to that Bible, you realise we're far from what we should be. How many realise that? And so our response is not, not just say, oh, that's just the way things are. Our cry is, Lord, revive us. Because we're not where we should be. We haven't got the power that we should be having. We're not impacting our island as we should be impacting our island. And that's saying, Lord, we're honest, we're open to that. Lord, would you please come and revive us? We need your spirit to breathe upon us to achieve what we need to achieve and do. Would you not revive us again? We just feel how far short we are. So we don't just kind of sit down in apathy and just accept that's the way it is. But we say, Lord, it's meant to be different. You know, the word revive there means breath, wind. And it's interesting, I'll close with this, but one of the big spirits that Paul dealt with many times, was, how many realise that? How many have heard the spirit of divitation? You know what I mean, don't you? Uh, familiar spirit, let's put it in English, so I can say. In the Greek, it's the word python. You know what a python does? It squeezes breath. And what the enemy's after, he tries to depress us, he tries to oppress us, he tries to squeeze the breath of God out of us. So we're dry and, and powerless. But the psalmist says, Lord, we feel dry, we feel powerless, we feel ineffective. But God, would you not revive us again? And would like to make that your prayer. We need the breath. We need. Would you come and revive us again? What an amazing prayer, Psalm 85, isn't it? God, make us strong again because we feel so weak. God, would you restore the things that we've lost and we've stolen? But God, would you come and would you revive us again? How many see the emphasis is all on God? We can't do it. We can't achieve it. We just cry to God for him to do what we cannot do. And I think if we pray that prayer genuinely, passionately, from our hearts, how many believe God comes and restores and makes us strong again and revives us? Lord, you brought us back, but we're not fully back. Would you make us strong again? Would you revive us again? Would you restore us again? And God says, yes, absolutely. Breathe on you, restore him, make you strong again. Because no one's too far that God can't get back to them. No matter how far you've wandered off, God can bring you back. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? I know time has gone, but that's... Why don't you just make that your prayer in these moments? Lord, bring us back. Make us strong again. Restore us. Oh God, would you not revive us again? Just lift up your voice right now. Say, Lord, make your prayer right now. Just be between you and God. If you feel your heart's wandered, if you feel your heart's not in that place it once was, just call out to him. Say, God, today, I just need, I need you to revive me again. My heart's wandered from you. I can't seem to find my way home. I can't seem to get back. No matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to get back. And 
I just pray, would you bring me back? Would you bring me back home? Would you bring me back to where I was? Would you restore me again, Lord? Would you revive me again? Come on, just pray for a few moments between you and the Lord right now. Just call out to him, no matter how where you feel, no matter how far you feel away right now. Just make this your prayer. God, would you please revive me? Would you please bring me back home? Bring me back. Come on, lift your voice to the Lord right now. I just believe he wants to touch your heart right now. Come on, lift your voice. Just pray to him. It's just between you and God. We're not making any appeals this morning, but it's just between you and God just to reach out to him right now. Just let him touch your heart. Let him make himself real and powerful to your life again. Refuse to stay in a place that's not the place he's called you to be. Say, restore me, revive me again, oh God. Come on, pray right now. I just feel so strong. Just keep praying, asking him right now. Say, God, do it. Would you not revive us again, oh God? Would you not revive us again, oh God? In the midst of the years, we cry to you. Oh God, we cry to you. 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 Oh God, we cry to you, we cry to you, we cry to you, we cry to you. God, we cry to you, we cry to you, we cry to you, we cry to you. Someone's here today, maybe you got really hurt and, and discouraged. Other things maybe come in, but whatever it is, God can bring you back. Just being honest with him, just being real with him. Honestly admitting the situation, the condition, what's going on really in your heart. And refusing to not cover it up, but be honest and relevant and open about where you are right now. And in that, God will come and revive and restore. Renew me, renew a, a right and a right spirit in me, God. A spirit of truth, inward truth, you won't despise. Father, we just come to you today. And that's our cry, Lord, this morning. Would you not revive us again, O oh God? Would you not restore us again? Would you not make us strong? Thank you, Lord. We stand, we can stand in your might and your power. And I pray right now in your name, O oh God, that by your might and your power, God, that you'd touch every heart and every life, oh God. You would bring home those who feel their hearts of wonder from you, God. That you'd bring their hearts home. That you'd bring them back to that place of, of, of renewal and strength and, and power again, oh God. We pray for us individually, corporately. God, come and restore us, Lord. Come and pour your power upon us afresh. Come and bring us back to the place you called us to be, oh God. Lord, bring us back to the fullness of your power, the fullness of your love, the fullness of your joy, the fullness of your glory. God, we cry to you today, O God. We cannot do it in our power and strength, but Lord, we cry out to you. We pray by your grace, O God, that you would come and renew and restore us again. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelin.co.uk.